following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And we'll begin in verse 44, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 44. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure in the field of the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had, and bought it. Again, we're talking about, have been preaching about what or whom do you and I value? What or whom do you and I value? Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we consider the subject tonight, Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather around thy word and, Father, to learn from it. I pray, God, you'd teach us from thy word. I pray, Father, that you would help us to see some of the things that you value and that we would value what you value. And Father, value whom you value. I pray, Father, that you'd bless not only this time, but the rest of our week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, what or whom do you and I value? Now, again, in this text, we're talking about, about the value of the gospel of the, uh, and the kingdom of heaven, as we find in verse 45. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking or excuse me, verse 44. And again, the king of heaven is likened unto a treasure he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. And so we talked about the value of the gospel and the king of heaven. Paul understood this. Look at me to Philippians chapter 3. As we talked about Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul understood the value of it because at one time all he was was religious and uh, <clears throat> not a member or a part of the kingdom of heaven. He says in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 3, or verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that, that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul valued not his former religion, but now the fact that he was a part of the kingdom of heaven. And he gave up all those things that he valued at one time for the kingdom of heaven and the gospel. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul, <clears throat> I believe, expresses uh, his feelings about the gospel here. In Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul valued, if you will, <clears throat> the gospel and the kingdom of heaven and so should we. And I think if you're truly saved by the grace of God, you understand some of the value. But sometimes I wonder if we uh, somehow begin to, to let uh, its value diminish in our minds and hearts. Again, Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> we talked about also uh, the value <clears throat> of Christ, the pearl of great price here in Matthew 13. And verse 45, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl 
of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought. And again, Paul understood the value of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet in Matthew 27, if you look there with me again quickly as we review, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 1, And when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they abound him, they led him away and delivered him unto Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field uh, to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field uh, was called the field of blood unto this day. It's sad that Judas, <clears throat> who had, had walked and talked with Christ as one of his disciples, and not truly a disciple, rather, as Jesus said in John 6, a devil, yet did not value the Lord Jesus Christ when, folks, he had such an opportunity. I mean, to see Christ with his own eyes, to observe him, to watch him, to walk with him, to talk with him, and then finally to reject him, to choose 30 pieces of silver as the price of him that was valued. You know, Christ was, is the, great per, the pearl of great price. And there's not one, <clears throat> there's not one uh, that's more valuable than he is, amen? But is he valuable to us? Do we appreciate him? Do we value him in our lives as we ought to? Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then we also talked about the value of discipleship. Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. <clears throat> Ruth chapter 1, beginning in uh, verse 15. <clears throat> the Bible says... <clears throat> And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people, unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge, and thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And where thou diest, I will die, and, I, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and to me, and when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking. Here we find a disciple of the Lord, a disciple really of Christ from the Old Testament. And uh, Ruth herself did value, uh, if you will, the, the idea of following the Lord, being a disciple of the Lord. A disciple is a learner, a follower, one who des- desires to be like uh, the Master. If you look with me to Hebrews 11 and 24, Hebrews 11 and 24. Here the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of reward. Now here's a man that was, uh, was willing to give up everything to be a disciple of the Lord, to follow the Lord, 
And he did give up everything. He gave up the throne of Egypt. He gave up the wealth of Egypt. He gave up everything that Egypt had to offer, even its sin, and uh, decided uh, to follow uh, the Lord. And then we talked also about the value of the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In Ephesians 5, if you look there with me, And verse 27, or excuse me, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself forth, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So we know that Christ valued the church. This is one of the only institutions that Christ, in the Bible, says that Christ gave himself for. And it was his local church. Let me say this. There's no universal, invisible Catholic church. There's only local, visible churches, New Testament churches. And if you look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when we talk about valuing the Lord's church, we're talking about valuing people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 14, where the body is not one member but many, he's talking about the church. If the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of, the, every one of them in the body, as it pleased him. And <clears throat> if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of Chloe, nor again, the, oh, I mean, where did, that, where did that come from, amen? Must be the, the wrong version I'm reading from. And I cannot say unto the and I have no need of thee, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor, or uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath, chosen, have, God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, <clears throat> that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. Now you know what, folks? We talk about valuing the church. We're talking about valuing each other. We're talking about valuing each other. Amen. And sometimes if we're not careful, we may get to a place where we don't value each other like we ought to. You know, the the important people in the church is not the pastor. It's not the piano player, although he's pretty important. Can you imagine us singing without him all the time? Amen. (laughs) I mean, special music isn't just the important. Folks, every member is important. Every member is necessary. Even Nancy. Amen. Every member's necessary. Every member's important. When we gather together as a church, we gather together to worship the Lord together as a body. Amen. And we need each other, and we're foolish to think we don't. We're foolish to imagine that we don't need each other. And you know, sometimes we say, well, I don't need that. I don't think we need this, this person. We don't need... <clears throat> If the Lord has set them in this church 
as a member in this church, we need them. Amen. We need them. We need you. You need me. You need even me. Amen. But then tonight we want to talk about the value of the will of God. The value of the will of God. Look at me to John chapter 4. John 4. John 4. And we'll look at verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? And the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. You know, the will of God for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the thing that sustained him, the thing that motivated, the thing that he lived for, was doing his Father's will. And one of the important things was, as, as we see in this chapter, we see one of the important aspects of the will of God, and that's going out, uh, reaching out to the to uh, <clears throat> the souls of men. You know, here, here Jesus is talking to this, to this woman at the well, a, a woman of ill repute, and yet he cares for her, values her soul. In verse uh, 35, say, ye not, say not ye, there are yet uh, uh, five months, then come of the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And he that re- re- <clears throat> reapeth, receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto uh, life eternal. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here it is that saying, uh, true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap where, whereon you have uh, bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you entered into their labor. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman <clears throat> which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days, and many more believe because of his own word. And he said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So he's in the middle of the will of God, in a place that most Jews would have nothing to do with. They're reaching out to these people and seeing folks saved by the grace of God. The will of God should motivate it, it should be the thing that motivates us and sustains us in this life. You know, sometimes, <clears throat> and I enjoy fellowships and, and food and what have you, but sometimes uh, some people are so focused on food, focused on food and other things uh, that, you know, how many, I wonder how many Christians didn't go to church because of the stupid bowl? How many Christians didn't, you know, some churches even suspend a Sunday night service to watch the Super Bowl together. Well, obviously, that's spiritual, Amen. We're all going to get together and have a Super Bowl Sunday. Well, I guess if that's what you want to do, but is it the will of God? Look at me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Looking at verse 1. Galatians 1, looking at verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead 
and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. You know, one of the reasons Christ went to the cross of Calvary, it was in accordance with the will of the Father. If you will, look at me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, looking at verse 1. Bible says here, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with uh, fear and trembling and singleness of heart, of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And knowing this, <clears throat> even though it seems like the emphasis on the will of God is towards servants doing right, and we're talking about people who are slaves, servant slaves, but going ahead and being obedient slaves to a master because their obedience and their service was really to be to Christ according to the will of God. But even, I think, the entire conduct context, whether it's parents, children, their behavior, and what have you, uh, it's all about doing the will of God. You know, sometimes we imagine that doing the will of God is coming to church, putting your tithe in, singing songs, uh, going out soul winning. You know what, folks? Doing the will of God is doing what the Lord wants us to do every day. And there are a lot of things that we have to do and need to do because it's God's will. It's, it's God's will that we be good parents, that we could be good spouses, that we uh, be good children, amen, uh, that we um, be good uh, workers on our job, be good citizens. I mean, you go down the list and it's all about doing uh, the will of God. And do we value that, though? Do we value that? You know, folks, <clears throat> the things that we value are the things we're going to give ourselves to. The things that we value are the things we're going to give ourselves to, to doing, if you will, in 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> the value of the will of God. Here the Bible says, Furthermore then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk, and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandment we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. You know, folks, it's the will of God that we be sanctified. I mean, set apart from sin and consecrated to service for the Lord. He says here that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So God's, it is God's will that we be sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. It is God's will that we be uh, pure and holy before uh, the Lord. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. And you know what, folks? If you're wondering what is the will of God for my life in certain areas, get in the Bible and find out. Amen. I think the Bible itself 
gives us the will of God, gives us the things we need to do, and we just need to go look. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now that's a tough one. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Being, being re- <clears throat> always uh, quick to remember quick to remember not you know when it talks about in everything give thanks we think it's always about giving thanks to god no sometimes it's we're talking about giving thanks to people who are worthy of it if someone does something for you and and you know sometimes people would say well preacher it doesn't it get a little trite when you say thank you to us for doing things no it's not trite I want to remember to thank you for doing what you do. You know, you do what you do because you, you, you should do what you do for the Lord's sake and what have you, but it's okay if someone thanks you for doing it. Amen? It's good to appreciate each other and what we do for each other, what we do together in serving the Lord and making, say, a, a friend day or whatever day a good day. Amen? You know, if we're going to have a good day in the house, the Lord, sometimes it takes the cooperation of all of God's people, amen, for us to have a good day. And I, I tell you something, I thank God for the good days. And, you know, I have to thank God sometimes for the tough days. Thank God for the times when I feel like I'm going to choke. <laughs> Say, preacher, don't do that. I don't want to. And then what about the value of the souls of men? Look at Matthew 26. <clears throat> Matthew 26, and look at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took uh, with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be very sorrowful, sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death, Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but, thou, uh, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the th- a second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass, from, pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. He left them and went away and again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. You know, <clears throat> I can't imagine pure holiness wrestling with becoming or bearing all of the unholy filth and nonsense and crud of our sin. You know, when the Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, I'm not sure exactly what that's talking about. But at the least, it's holy God bearing all of our our unholiness, all of our sin, all of our uncleanness for our soul's sake. You know, I think that the thing that Christ, I don't believe, was as much worried about dying as he was at becoming 
sin. Amen? <clears throat> and he did that. Be- you know what? He did that because he valued you and I. He valued you and I and our salvation. If you will, look with me to John 3. <clears throat> I wonder what verse we're going to. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now you know what? If I were faced with a choice of having to give up my firstborn son who sitteth in the backeth of the church. Amen. For somebody else, I'd be hard-pressed to do it. I love my family, and I love my kids. You say, but what if it would help somebody else? I'm still telling you, I'd be hard-pressed to do it. Because I love my kids. You say, well, what if, it would, what if it would save someone? I'd be hard-pressed to do it because I love my kids. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God just said, I'm, I'm willing. And I care for the souls of men. I love men like men don't love. You know, we're supposed to love like the Lord does, but when it comes to some of those kinds of things, it's a struggle. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, not, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men, that I might by all main, uh, means save some. You know... Paul was willing to <clears throat> do whatever it was necessary, not compromise, not sin, but go where he needed to go, deal with whoever he needed to deal with, so that he might save some. He knew he wouldn't save all, but you know what? He was willing to pay whatever price it took, do whatever needed to be done in order to reach the souls of men. In, in, in Acts 16, we won't take the time to turn there, But when Paul took Timothy to minister with him in order to keep the Jews from stumbling over the fact that his father was a Greek, he circumcised Timothy to take away some of the the sting, the stumbling block, as they went and at times ministered to Jews. So he would do whatever he needed to do, short of compromising and sinning, to get the gospel uh, to a lost and dying world because he valued the souls of men. And then, if you will... Lastly, the value of the love of God. If you own 1 John 3 and 1, 1 John 3 and 1. <clears throat> Bible says, Behold, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. You know, what a verse. Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Folks, it was that kind of love that said to you and I when he called us to salvation, I love you and I want you. Now, you know, there are some in this room who understand rejection. And they understand what it's like to have someone maybe tell them, I don't love you. But man, when you, when, you know what, folks? When we receive the love of God in Christ Jesus, God said, I love you. And you said, great, I want it. Amen? Do we value that love? You know what, folks? That's a love that nobody can take from us. You know, men take, try to, to reject us and treat us as if they don't love us and everything else. But God will never do that. He loved us before we were saved. He's loved us since we have been saved. He's made us his child. In Psalm 36, Psalm 36, and verse 7, Psalm 36 and 7, the Bible says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. You know, folks, the reason we get saved often is because we see the love of God in Christ and we trust Christ. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures for with thee is the fountain of life and in thy light shall we see light. Folks, the loving kindness of God, the love of God. In Jeremiah 31 and 3, if you look with me there, Jeremiah 31 and 3. This ought to be one of your favorite verses. In Jeremiah 31 and 3, the Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Everlasting it means there's no end to it. You know, it's hard for me to imagine a love like that. But it's a love that has no end. In Romans 8, <clears throat> Romans 8, Paul reaffirms that to us as New Testament Christians. Romans 8. And we'll start in verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I mean, folks, if God's for us, what a blessing. And remember, he's for us because he loves us, and we responded to that love. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. And then he says here in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And this is important because there are times when we may feel that we have gone too far with God, and God has said, oh, that's it. That's it. You've really blown it now. But what is Paul saying? What is God saying to us? Who shall separate us 
from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You know, can you imagine being Christians in the Colosseum facing lions and wondering, where's God? Does he love, has he quit loving me? You know, I've read accounts where people were tortured to death for Christ's sake and didn't even seem to feel it. See, God was there with them. God loved them. Who shall separate... It says here, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers of things present, nor things to come, even COVID, amen, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, you know what? I wished I could say that we could say that about ourselves and the way we treat other people. You know, God says for us to love others as Christ loved us. The problem is, is that sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't value, sometimes we don't value people, especially Christian people, or sometimes our family members like we ought to. And maybe we say in our minds and hearts, you know what? I'm, up, I'm not going to have anything to do with them. Almost as if to say, I don't love you anymore. Lord will never do that. Even when we do that. Do we value that love? It's a love not like the world, that's for sure. Look with me to Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Paul writes here, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, that now work in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Folks, we have so much to look forward to. No matter what happens, even in this world, you know, sometimes I get so frustrated <laughs> with politicians and the stupid nonsense that's going on. But <clears throat> even in the face of all that, we are made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus. You know, we have a, a heavenly home to look forward to. We're in the kingdom of heaven. We're in the hand of God. We're under the protection. I mean, folks, the Lord is alive and well all because of his great love wherewith he loved us. And yet sometimes we don't love him like we ought to. Sometimes we don't love him like we ought to. You know, folks, if we value something, if we value something, we'll give ourselves to it. We'll treat it as if it's something 
precious. Amen? We talked about, if you will, the value of the gospel in the kingdom of heaven, the value of Christ, the pearl of great price, the value of discipleship, the value of the church, the value of the will of God, the value of the souls of men, and the value of the love of God. And folks, that's not the beginning. That's only the beginning of so many things we could talk about. I could do a series and go on and on and on and on and on about it. What do we value? The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? What do you and I value? Whom do we value? Do we value one another? Do we value the Lord? That's the question. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.